Am I a man of God? Just kidding. Yes, I love God. Man, our pastor loves to preach. Can somebody praise God for that? Amen. How's everybody doing tonight? We're all good? Yeah? Can we get up on our feet really quick? Let's go ahead and pray. Let's stand for the reverence of God in this place. Just kidding. You can all guys uh, sit down. I'm kidding. Stay up. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. God, I ask you that you use me as a vessel tonight to bless your people with a word. I pray that your word may not fall into the floor, God, but that it, may, that it pierces the hearts of, of man tonight, God. The Bible says that your word does not come back void, so let it penetrate the hearts. It's like a double-edged sword, Father God. And with Jesus, we pray and we all say amen and amen. Now you can take a seat. All right. Is there anybody here for the first time? Can you please raise your hand if you're here for the first time? Can we clap it out, clap it out for y'all? Yeah. Um, you guys look beautiful, by the way. Um, by the way, if you're here for the first time, I just want to let you know that you belong before you become. We love you. All right. I love this church. Do you guys know why we are not a perfect church? Somebody say why. Because I'm here. And of course, because you're here. Come on, man. Makes sense. But God loves you. Um, turn to the person next to you and tell them you're beautiful. Now look at the person behind you and ask them, are you single? <laughs> Just kidding. Listen, this is not who we are, okay? Anyways, are you, if you're single, can you raise your hand real quick? Anybody single in the room? All right. If you're single, look around you. There's no other better place to mingle than at the house of the Lord. Can I get a praise tonight? No? All right, let's just go ahead and um, jump into the Word tonight, all right? Do you have your Bibles with you? Can you please take it out? I love you. I'll go ahead and start reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. This is kind of like the backbone of, so let's go ahead and read. And it says, entering into this fullness is not something you figure out. Or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised. Do you guys know what that is? Never mind. Or keeping a long list of laws. Next verse. No, you are already in insiders, not through some secretive initiation rites, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Somebody say for me. Destroying the power of sin. Next verse. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Somebody say old life. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Coming out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did with Christ. Ooh. When you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, somebody say old Sin, dead, life is gone. You were incapable of responding to God. So God brought you what? Alive. Right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. Next verse. He stripped all the spiritual triumph in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. It's a savage. 
Let's go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes really quick. Father God, we thank you once more for your word tonight. I just pray that you remove me, God, so it can be more of you and less of me. Holy Spirit, you are a far better speaker, preacher than I am. So I just pray that as I speak, that you back up every single word that I say, God. That you may open up our hearts, that you may open up our hears, uh, hears, ears, so we can hear your word, God. And that we may come out of this place transformed in a different way than how we came in tonight. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. All right. So the title of tonight's message is called The Battle is Rigged. Somebody say it's rigged. You're probably like, what is that? the heck does that mean, rigged? So when we talk about rigged in the terms of a uh, battle, uh, a fight, or a competition, it's when somebody prearranges or sets up a victory for someone. So you couldn't win the fight because let's say you suck. No offense. So I prearrange a victory for you so you can win the fight without you even having to do anything. So it doesn't matter what the outcome of the battle is. It's a win, easy win for you. It's an automatic what happens. You won the fight. Hallelujah. So um, it's like a cheat code. Anybody here play video games? Or you guys are too grown? Nobody plays video games? You guys suck. So back in the day, I used to play this game, this game called GTA, Grand Theft Auto. Anybody relate? Yeah. San Andreas, that was probably the worst game in the history of, of games, man. It was a mess. So back in the day when I was in the fifth grade, I used to play this game called GTA, San Andreas, with my dad, you know, parents' supervision. I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> so um, I remember that me and my friends would gather in school, right? We would be on the lunch table, and um, we would be talking like, oh, my God, I'm on this part, and I'm on part, and I just beat that mission, and I'm over here, and I was always the one stuck behind because I sucked. There was this one part, bro, that I would just keep dying and dying and dying. I'm talking about the SWAT team would shoot me from the helicopter. I would go inside of a car. My car would get blown up. I would go on foot. The tank would run over me. It was a mess. And it didn't matter what I did. I just keep dying and dying and losing and losing. So I got so tired that I threw the remote against the wall. And I don't know if you remember this game, but whenever things got hard in the game, we would just punch in a little cheat code. Remember that? Your code was right there, so you, you, you would just plug in the cheat codes, and you have unlimited life, indestructible cars. It was crazy. So when I got really frustrated because of this game, because I sucked and I kept losing and dying and dying, my dad gave me this cheat code, right? So when I type in the cheat code, our remote, or right here, it was like RL1, R2, left, left, right. I don't remember, but man, I had unlimited life unlimited ammo, indestructible helicopters, good luck SWAT team. It didn't matter what happened, I never died or lost ever again. It was, the, the game was rigged once I typed in the cheat code that my daddy gave me. Yeah, some of you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So when we talk about cheat codes and when we talk about um, giving the unfair advantage or, or rigging the system, the world might see that this is probably something that's negative, something that's bad, something that's unfair. But in reality, can I tell you a little secret tonight? God is all about rigging the fight. God is all about rigging the fight. Come on, somebody. Amen. So God is all about rigging the fight. When we look at stories of the New Testament and the Old Testament, 
we, we, we start reading stories and we see that God was actually all about rigging fights for his people. God was always fighting for his people. He was always defending them. And whenever somebody was in trouble or when somebody was about to die or, or, or lose a fight, it's like God would come in and punch a cheat code and everybody would win the fight. Nobody would lose. It's all about rigging the fight for his people, and it's awesome. I love it. There's this story in the Bible about the uh, three Hebrew boys. Do you guys remember that story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abat Negro? Abat Negro. Just kidding. Um, so when we look at the three Hebrew boys, these were God's chosen people. God separated these three Hebrew boys and placed them in the kingdom called the kingdom of Babylon probably the worst place you want to be at around those times. I'm talking about pagan priesthood, killing babies for their gods. It was a mess. But something that I like about the three Hebrew boys is that they never compromised who they were in God in the midst of that corrupt society. They didn't allow the statue of that kingdom to corrupt them. And it's awesome. So the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, had a, a fight with the three Hebrew boys over whose God was the real God, whose God do we serve. The king of Babylon would say, you cannot pray in the name of the Lord. You cannot do this in the name of God. You cannot do that because if you do it, I'm going to kill you. So the king said, if you don't bow down to that statue right there, I'm going to throw all of you in the fiery furnace. And the three Hebrew boys were like, bring it. I'm not going to bow down to your God. So the king of Babylon and listen, grab these three Hebrew kids and just throw them in the fire so they can burn and die. And the Bible says that when they were thrown in the fire, they didn't get burned. It's like God put in a cheat code for them so they couldn't get burned. And literally the king of Babylon was looking at them like, that's not fair. I put this thing seven times hotter than usual. They should, they should be on fire burning right now. But God was like, um, not on my watch. Those are my people. Come on, somebody. We also see this in the story of Gideon. Anybody know the story of Gideon? No? I know it. I'm about to tell you right now. The story of Gideon, this was a small dude, right? Unqualified. He didn't have much potential. He was short, kind of ugly. So Gideon was about to fight 20,000 Midianites with 300 men. That's crazy. Anybody saw the movie 300? It, they got it from the Bible. Yeah, it makes sense, right? So Gideon was about to fight 20,000 men. Imagine you with 300 people and God tells you, go and fight them right now. I imagine Gideon in his mind saying, listen, we're going to die. So tell mama I love her because I'm probably not going to see her again. And then God said, listen, just go into the enemy camp. And when you get there, blow your trumpet and you'll see what I'm about to do. So Gideon in his mind is like, the, the, the moment I blow a trumpet, I'm just going to give away my position they're going to come out, and we're all going to die. And God said, listen, just do as I say, all right? So Gideon goes into the enemy camp with his 300 men. He blows the trumpet, and the Bible says that God literally made all the 20s kill each other. So God turned them against each other. So I imagine Gideon and his men going like, yeah, we're ready to fight. And then all of a sudden, they see everybody, like, going against each other, killing each other. So I imagine Gideon, like, <laughs> I won the fight. So God fought the fight for them. God gave them the victory without them having to even move a muscle. That's crazy. I want to tell you something, church. Can I tell you a secret? There's fights that you're not meant to fight alone. The fights that you're not able to win by yourself, God fights them for you, and he gives you the victory without you even having to move a finger or a muscle. God is awesome. God wants to fight for you. 
So stop fighting by yourself. God is there for you. And he wants to give you the victory without you even having to move a muscle. It's awesome. Now, amen. So there's this other story in the Bible, one of my favorites. There was another battle. Somebody say battle. There was another battle. And this was a fight that people literally kept losing to over and over and over again. Because of this fight, people will literally die and perish and go to hell because of this. I'm talking about the fight of sin and death. Battle, somebody say, the battle of sin and death. So God was looking from heaven. He was looking on earth saying, damn, everybody's dying. And I can't just keep allowing my people to die and perish because of, of sin. So I have to do something about it. Somebody say, God did something. So God said, all right. I'm not going to allow this to happen, so I'm going to do something. I'm going to punch in a little cheat code for my people. So God sent a little cheat code to the world, and that cheat code literally wrecked the fight against sin and death once and for all. I'm talking about sin can no longer prevail against us. Death can no longer prevail against us. The, ga the gates of hell can no longer prevail against us because of that cheat code that God sent. And um, that cheat code that God sent was called Jesus Christ. God punched in a cheat code named Jesus Christ to rig the fight against sin and death once and for all. God sent his son to die on the cross for the sins of the world to win a fight that you and I couldn't fight or win. He rigged the fight for you. Do you know why? Somebody say, why? Because he loves you, bro. Hello. He loves you. The Bible says, can you throw that verse, Willie? The Bible says, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son, somebody say only son, into the world. So we might live through him. So this is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son as a sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. To clear away your sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. Woo! I'm going to read that again. He sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Because sin... The thing that sin did, you know how every fight somebody started it, right? So there was this J called M that started the fights of sin. So what sin did is you from God like this. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, sin came through one man. And then death came through sin and it caused a disaster. It caused a whole mess in, in the world. And generation after generation was born with this thing called sin. And then fights started happening, healing started going on, and God was just like, I, I can't deal with this called sin. Sin literally destroys you. Do you know what? Sin kills you. This guy is talking about sin. <gasps> yep. Literally. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's crazy. So the only way for God to remove sin, the only way for God to save us from this thing called sin was if somebody paid a price. So for sin to be removed, somebody had to offer a sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. 
Because the wages of sin, the wages means like a payment. So the only way to pay for sin was if something or someone died. So what did God do? God saw us, right? Because back in the day, I don't know if you know this, but in order for a sin to be forgiven, before Jesus came into the picture, people had to sacrifice animals. It was you literally, if you wanted your sin to be forgiven, Gene, you had to sacrifice an animal and not just any animal. You had to go into your flock or into your backyard and try to find a perfect little lamb, a sheep. A sheep. It couldn't have no stain, no short leg and the other one long. It had to be literally perfect in all of its ways and it had to be beautiful. So imagine you in a year trying to find the perfect lamb to take it to a sacrifice. Some people back in the day would miss their chance to have their sins forgiven because they could never find that perfect sacrifice. So God said, don't worry, I'm going to offer a perfect sacrifice. I'm going to send my son into the world to die for the sins. Hallelujah. So listen to this. If you wanted your sin to be forgiven, the Bible says, this is, this is the Bible. I'm not making this up. It's in there. You have to grab that little lamb, right? And you have to take it to the high priest once a year. And then the high priest, what he would do is that he would grab that little lamb, stab it in the rib, and when the beloved lamb was shut on the altar, then the sins of that past year were forgiven. But something had to die. Blood had to come out of something so your sin could be forgiven. The blood was a substitute for your sin. And then God said, you know what, I don't want you to be sacrificing, killing animals. I don't want you to miss your chance, so I'm going to send my son to substitute that sacrifice of the lamb. So when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, the recent lamb of God that was slain is because God gave Jesus as that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice. Because he was cleansed from all sin. Jesus was, was perfect in all of his ways, and he was the only person worthy of dying that death. And this is interesting. Check this out. The Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, a soldier pierced his rib, just like the lamb back in the days. And when Jesus was piercing the rib, the Bible says that blood started coming out of the rib, blood and water. And when that blood was shed on the altar, the sins of your past, the sins of your present, and the sins of your future were completely forgiven. Can somebody praise God tonight? Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, you have been redeemed. By the blood of Jesus, you have been cleansed from all sin. From all, you're perfect. That's it. Your sin is gone. Like that song, your sin is gone. It is cast aside. I can't sing, but I can worship, right? I love you, Nat. Um, and if we look at Jesus, Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to humble himself to a degree where he was like an animal for you just humble himself to the form of a man he actually put himself in a position of an animal because they used to kill animals back in the day to for that sin to be removed so jesus literally said i'm gonna become an animal for these people that cross back in the day you know like crosses were used to slaughter animals filthy dirty animals jesus took that position for you because you, you and I were supposed to be the ones on that cross. You and I were supposed to be the ones that paid the price for that sin. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to pay the price for you.
There was this one time I was a Cracker Barrel with my friend Jonathan. Where he at? Never mind. I was with Jonathan in this place, Cracker Barrel. He loves the place. So I said, hey, look, let's go eat. Let's go there. And I remember we got these big plates with egg, bacon, cheese, uh, coffee, uh, lettuce, uh, meatloaf, biscuits, all the good stuff. It was a big plate. And then Jonathan is like, I'm ready for the check. And then I remember that my, my debit card was kind of low, so there was no way I could have paid for the price for that food. So I'm like, Jonathan, we're not ready for the checks. <laughs> I can't pay that. It's too much. And I'm telling you, we got like 20 biscuits, big plates. I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to pay for this. And Jonathan was not going to pay the price for me. Uh, and the funny thing is that as soon as the lady gets into the table, Jonathan says, I'm ready for the checks. And then the lady says, wait, somebody already paid for you. And in my head, I'm like, wait, somebody already paid the price that I couldn't pay? What? The wages of that egg, bacon, cheese were off. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And it reminds me, and this reminds me of what Jesus did for me on the cross. When I couldn't pay the price for the wages of my sin, Jesus swiped the card for me. And baby, I got you. Jesus paid the price that you couldn't pay. Not only that, but he fought a fight that you couldn't win against sin. He won it for you and then gave you a heritage. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. He gave us grace in that heritage. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us love. And we were adopted. The Bible says that we were adopted into, the, into God's family. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're, we are children of God. Can I get an amen? And there's something interesting about a passage found. It's not in there. It's in the uh, book of John chapter 19, verse 30. The Bible says that after Jesus was literally hours on the cross, after he was pierced on the rib, the Bible says that Jesus cried out, it is finished. Somebody say, it's finished. It is finished. Now, when we look at the term, it is finished, I love God and because God uses the things of history to you know, um, apply it and then give us a message out of history. God is awesome. Back in the day, this word, this term called it is finished, it was used in the Roman times by the Roman general. He would stand up on a hill, kind of like Jesus was on the cross, right? The battle was over, that the enemy was defeated. He would cry out, it is finished. The same phrase, Jesus cried out on the cross. So just like the general, Jesus was up on that cross, looking at the battle against sin and death and the devil. And when he cried out, it is finished, that meant, listen, the battle is over. Sin is defeated. The enemy is defeated. I have the victory now. And if the one that overcame sin and death and has the victory lives inside of me, that means that I can also overcome and I have the victory too. Can somebody praise God tonight? Come on, somebody. Man. So Jesus cries out, it is finished. Somebody say, it's done. The fight is over. Now there's something interesting. Remember how I said that sin was one thing that separated man from the presence of God? Back in the days, there was something called the tabernacle. Somebody say the tabernacle or the temple, which is the modern, you know, what we have now is church. And in this tabernacle, there was a place called the holy place, which could be this place right here. And then there was another place called the holies of holies. Somebody say holies of holies. 
The holies of holies was the place where God's presence used to dwell. So in the curtain, the veil, called the veil, somebody say the veil, that represented the sin that separated man from the presence of God. So it's like you were in church, that veil right there represented the separation in between your sin and God. So nobody could go across that place because of sin. So people back in the day, what they used to do is that they used to stand here and worship a veil. Imagine you living a life separated from God without you being able to worship in his presence because of your sin. That would have sucked. So people were literally worshiping a veil. They had no access to God's presence. So when Jesus cried out, it is finished, the Bible says that that veil in the temple, that veil in the temple broke from top to bottom. I am longer separated from the presence of God. I have access into that holies of holies. I have access into the presence of God. I have access to the grace and the mercy of the living God. The reason why Jesus did this is because he couldn't stand the thoughts of you living a life separated from him. He said, I can't stand seeing my people separated from me. I have to do something. So Jesus died on the cross and rigged the battle to have a relationship with you. Because he loved you. So Jesus, what he did is that he built that bridge, the, the, my accent, I'm so sorry, that bridge for us to cross over into the other place where God was. So we can cross over to that place that we were not able to go before because of our sin. Wiped away our sin and gave us access into the presence of God. Because he loves you. And because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And I just imagine the devil saying, that's not fair, God. I sinned once and you sent me to hell forever and they sin every single day and they're forgiven on a daily basis. What? That's not fair. But that's why I'm saying God ricks Rick, the fight against sin and death for you. We didn't deserve this. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't deserve Jesus dying on the cross for you. But God said, I love you, so I'm going to do it. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet really quick. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Ah, oh, Jesus. God, we thank you. So now that we know that God rigged the battle against sin and death, God sent a little cheat code for us. Now that we know that that, that, that cheat code literally defeated the fight against sin and death, the fight that we couldn't fight on our own, and now that we know that God did this because he loved you, what that cheat code that God gave us? What are we going to do with it? Are you going to embrace it or are you going to crumble it and trash it? Back in the day, I would have been a fool if I would have never used the cheat code my daddy gave me. I would have been a fool, un tonto, if I would have grabbed that little piece of paper, crumbled it, and throw it in the trash. The reason why my dad gave me that cheat code was for me to use it whenever I was losing the battle. And there's a lot of, a, a lot of us that have been fighting this fight way too long by ourselves. And we have been losing and losing and losing this fight. When Jesus is right there for you saying, listen, let me do this for you, bro. Just pass me the remote. I got you. Stop doing this by yourself. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads, close your eyes real, real quick.
God is trying to tell you, listen, stop fighting against this thing called sin by yourself. Stop battling alone. Let me do it with you. There's a lot of us here, I don't know what you've been battling, if, if it's sin, if it's depression, if it's fear, anxiety, you name it. But let me tell you that there's no way in heaven that we are going to be able to win this on our own. Some of us here are walking with a bag of condemnation over our shoulders. We go to sleep every night in fear. We go to sleep at night trembling because of our sin. We say, listen, if I don't wake up the next morning, I'm going to wake up in hell because of my sin. Tell you something. That little bag of condemnation that you've been carrying for so long, it doesn't belong to you. Mm -mm -mm. Somebody say, mm -mm. that bag of condemnation does not belong to you. New Birth Church, the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is saying, just give me that back tonight. Stop fighting with sin by, your, by yourself. Let me help you. And I don't know if, that, if that's you tonight. If you can say, Kevin, I've been fighting this thing way too long. I've been losing and losing this fight. I keep losing to sin every day, and I just can't do it on my own. I need that cheat code that you were talking about. I need Jesus into my life. I need Jesus to help me out because I just can't do this by myself. If that's you tonight, and you can say, I want Jesus. I don't want to do this alone anymore. If that's you, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot that hand like a rocket, unashamed, unafraid. At the count of one, one. Two, he is for you. Three, he loves you. Come on, shoot that hand like a rock. I see a hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Can somebody clap it up for Jesus tonight?